good to be here. Uh, pastor wanted me to, to come in and present sometime. And I said, well, how about October 2nd? He said, nope, I'm gone that week. I said, oh, rats. But I uh, worked out to come this week at the last minute. So here I am. And uh, Pops, that was Pops up here singing, for those of you who don't know. He always says, be always ready to preach, pray, sing, or die. So he got to sing, so I guess I get to die. And uh, uh, Judges chapter 7 is where we're going to start. I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 7. Joshua 6 and 7, Judges 6 and 7 is where we're going to be. And uh, Pastor called me, he says, here's what I want you to do. And um, our pat answer at camp is, whatever you need, I'll do it. Anything, whatever you want me to do. And he said, oh. So I started shoveling really fast and got myself out of that. But um, here we are. And then as I was coming up, uh, I was reminded of the verses as a prophet's not without honor saving his own country. So it's a good thing I'm not a prophet. But um, anyway, Judges 6 and 7, Joshua 6 and 7, we're going to compare uh, two individuals. And these are certainly individuals we hear a lot about. And especially at camp, they love to hit on Achan. And, and uh, you all know the story of Achan or should know the story of Achan. And uh, this is a little bit different bent to that and something that's a challenge to me every day. And I uh, hope it will be to you as well. well let's uh, pray before we get started, and then we'll dive right in. Lord, we do uh, thank you for the, the day you've set aside for us to be here uh, together, together. And Lord, we thank you for your word and for uh, the truths it has in it. Lord, thank you for the freedom uh, we have to be here uh, to worship without, um, without fear of oppression or, or persecution. Lord, we thank you for that. Help us not to take that for granted. And Lord, we do. Again, thank you for your word that it has something for all of us all the time, no matter where we are. And Lord, I ask that you would uh, guide me as I preach. Lord, help me to say what you'd have me to say to uh, deliver your word correctly and, and uh, in your power. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Joshua chapter 6, uh, starting in 16, and that's Achan. So Achan, um, and we're not sure how old Achan was at this time, uh, but he at the very least saw uh, the crossing of the Jordan River saw the manna from heaven. Uh, so he's seen firsthand these miracles that God's done. He's seen the judgments of God. He's heard firsthand of other miracles of God, of, of coming out of the land of Egypt and the plagues and, and all those things. So right off the bat, Achan has um, an advantage over Gideon, who we'll look at later. Achan's a firsthand witness. He's, he has experienced himself the miracles of God. And he's, he's been through it. He saw the Jordan River cross like that, or uh, empty like that. They crossed over on dry land when the, when the priest touched the water, and uh, that's something else. If you ever been down to the St. Joe River around here, um, I can't do that. I can't make it split up like that. Uh, God did that. Aiken saw that, and I think that would be pretty cool. That's something I would remember for a long time, and uh, if someone came to me with a doubt about God, I would say, hey, what about the Jordan River? That, that's pretty cool. Achan saw that. Achan was, was involved in that. And uh, we come to Jericho, the first place of the conquest of Canaan, and Achan's involved in that. He's a soldier. Um, that's the mission of, of Israel at this point, is to, to conquer the land of Canaan. He's there. He's involved. He hears the commands of God and, and uh, his plan as they march around the city, and, which is another miracle in and of itself, obviously. But he hears all that. But we know that... Uh, from Joshua chapter 7, that Achan takes of the accursed thing. But he did something else, too. Um, that's what we're going to look at. 
we focus on the, the accursing. And Achan took of the accursing. He took of the things of the Canaanites. He took sin into his house, into his home, into his life. He did something else, too. And he took that which was God's. See, the, uh, Jericho was the, the first part of the conquest of Canaan. That was the first fruits of the conquest of Canaan. And Achan took of those first fruits, those things that God said, hey, set this aside for me. This is, don't, don't spoil the city. Kill everyone in it, but don't spoil the city. That's mine. Achan took what was God's, and that's something we're going to uh, focus in on and look at. But Joshua 7, verse 1 says, But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. That's what Achan did. Back up to verse uh, or chapter 6. And that's where we start in the beginning, and it says Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, none came in. They were scared of the, ch of the children of Israel. And this will play in later as we, as we look at Gideon. But go down then to uh, chapter 6 and verse 17. It says, And the city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye, in any wise, keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel accursed and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and the vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So God laid it out for him right there. He said, all this, don't take of the accursed thing, but all the, the valuables, if it were, all the spoil and the worth of the city, that's mine. That, that's God's. It'll go into the house of the Lord. Don't take of it. And Achan did that. But we're going to back up and look at Achan and who he was as a man, who his family was, where he came from. And then we're going to compare that in Judges chapter 6 and Judges chapter 7 with Gideon, who Gideon was, where Gideon came from. And then look at the choices that they both made and how they affected eternity for themselves for their families, for those around them, and look at the, the choices we must make in our own lives. So who was Achan? Verse 1 tells us in uh, Joshua chapter 7, he was of the tribe of Judah. Now, uh, we used to have the, pastor used to have the flags up here of all the tribes and, and went through all that. Judah, if you'll remember, was a very uh, prominent tribe. If someone was, if I guess in this time, if you'd introduce yourself, say, yeah, I'm so-and-so, this is my father and grandfather, and I'm from Judah. People wouldn't look at that lightly. That was an important tribe. It was a, it was a big deal. Um, he wasn't from Wyatt. Um, he was from somewhere. He was important in the, in the tribe of Israel. He had lineage in Judah. He says, this is my father and my grandfather. And so he's been around a while. So Achan, right off, we learned that Achan comes from a good family. Someone with, I guess we'd say, prestige. Um, in America, we don't look at that the same way as they would in this culture, but in this culture, kind of who you were is who you stayed. If you were poor, if you were nobody, the son of nobody, who was also the son of a nobody, guess who you were? A nobody. Um, and that's how you stayed. Aiken wasn't a nobody. He had family. He had heritage in the tribe of Judah. And obviously, we know the tribe of Judah plays a huge part in the, the history of the Bible and the history of our Savior. That's where Jesus came from. But that's, that's right off the bat. That's Achan's starting place. So Achan has family. He's prominent. Um, and we learn later that 
his cattle, his sheep, his family. So Achan had property, he had wealth. Um, he was a nobody. Achan, Achan had those things. Uh, second off, we learn that um, he was a soldier. He took part in the, the conquest of Jericho. And a soldier uh, is automatically a way to, to gain respect. If, if you know nothing about someone, but you see that they're wearing the uniform and they've, they've done the service and the time, you have an automatic level of respect for them as a person, simply for what they've done and who they are uh, in that capacity. So automatically, there's another, another good point for Aiken. He was a soldier. Um, he had to have some amounts of courage, at least. Uh, the Bible says when uh, the, they went around on the seventh day, the walls fell down flat. Every man went straight before him. Uh, so there was no goofing around and this and that and skirmishing around. They went straight in. That would take some courage. Um, he followed the Lord in that capacity. He did what he was supposed to do. He fulfilled his responsibilities. Um, you know, here in America, we have Veterans Day. We have Memorial Day, Armed Forces Day, all these, these uh, national holidays that we set aside to especially remember uh, the people in our armed services are veterans and those of the fallen and who we're extremely grateful for. Contrasted with Gideon, who we'll get to in a minute, uh, Gideon was a farmer. Last I checked, we don't have any Farmer's Days in America, but you eat three times a day, so every day is Farmer's Day. But there's two strikes, his heritage, his family, his occupation, he was a soldier, doing his, his duty in, in Israel. He was, by all rights, you look at him as a man who was who he was supposed to be. Good family, good occupation, loyal, courageous, automatically garnered respect. We all know what he did, but forget about that for a minute. Uh, moving on, we talked about already he'd seen the miracles of God. He was someone who could sit down and, and tell someone from the outside, say, hey, God led us across the Jordan River. He cleared the waters, uh, but let's back up even more. He gave us manna from heaven every day, never missed. We have a faithful God. He's promised to give us this land, and he's going to do it. Uh, he led us out of Egypt, and he could have told about all the plagues that, that people had told him about. So he has background. Think in your life, how many, how many times could you, could you conjure up and gather together to then share to someone else, say, hey, this is what God did here, and this is what God did there. And if you really think about it, you can come up with a lot. Uh, your salvation in and of itself is one. You can immediately sit down and tell someone, hey, this is how I got saved, this is what God did for me, and that's really all you need, but I'm sure you could come up with other instances of, hey, God delivered here, and God did this in my family here. And you could, you could come up with these things just as Achan did. Maybe not parting of rivers, but if God needed to do that for you, he could too. So Achan has a good family, he's seen the miracles, he's a good guy. We would look at Achan as a man that was something good, something to be admired. He could come in, you'd, you'd have him to your house, you'd, you'd have him speak somewhere, you would have him in a higher esteem than Joe Schmo from nowhere. Because of who he was, because of who, what he had, who he was, where he came from. But yet Achan still made a choice. And we see this over and over um, at the camp there. Folks from good families, good homes, solid backgrounds, who can sit down and tell you, hey, God did this in my family's life and this in my life, <clears throat> but they still come to a place in their life where they make a choice. And not even necessarily a choice to 
take of the accursed thing, is, as, which is certainly a choice, to take sin in your life, to harbor sin in your home, in your life, in your heart, and in that way push God away, but to take what's God's. And that's a choice Achan made. He took what was God's, what was rightfully God's, what God had said, hey, this is mine, don't touch it. This is mine, it's not yours, it's to be given to me. There were spoils coming later, but Achan wanted it now. He took what was God's, and we see that every day. Someone comes in, and as we learn about them, as, as you talk with them, and, and uh, things come out, and maybe they're, they're convicted of a, a message, the Holy Spirit convicts them, and they're willing to come and, and to talk to someone. Many times, either, either directly or it stems from, I took what was God's. And what God had said to leave alone, I didn't, or what God had said is mine, I took. Good people, like Achan. Achan was a, was a good guy, he was a brave guy. But he still, he still did that. Now let's look at Judges, Judges chapter 6, if you would. We're going to cross over to Gideon. And we like to lift up Gideon just as much as we like to put Achan down. Um, Achan gets the bad rap and, and justifiably. But Achan gets a, gets a great, re, or, uh, I'm sorry, Gideon gets good reviews because of what he did and uh, the whole deal with the Midianites and the, the trumpets and everything. And certainly that was, that was a work of God and God worked through him and and we can look at that and, and glean from that, and hey, that's cool. Another miracle of God. But we're going to look at Achan, or, I'm sorry, Gideon's background now. And Gideon was as unlikely a guy as I could come up with. Um, and we'll see that here in a little bit. He's a little more in-depth as we look at it than, than Achan. But Gideon didn't, doesn't have what Achan has. Israel's no longer on the offensive here. This is in Judges, and the children of Israel are are reaping what they've earned for their sin, for pushing God away, for taking of the other gods and, and not following God, doing what was right in their own eyes. They're under the judgment of God. And uh, the Midianites have moved in, the Bible says, as grasshoppers. They're everywhere. They, they shove the, the children of Israel up into the caves and mountains, and they're hiding, and the Midianites are covering land. Total, total takeover, just total everything. Imagine everything you have, everything right here, if you had to leave everything you had and there were 50 people living in your house, that'd be pretty tight for my folks' house, but <laughs> that's what they had. Everything they had was gone, nothing. Remember, Achan, he's on the offensive. God says, hey, go into the land of Canaan. It's all yours. Just go take it. Okay, cool, great. Let's go. Now Israel's not in that position. This is, this is what Gideon grew up in. This is what he has. They aren't the army going in that, that uh, everyone trembles about and fears about. No, they're the Israelites are trembling. They're hiding. So already, right off the bat, Gideon doesn't really have much going for him um, in that regard. Let's look at uh, chapter six, Judges chapter 6, verse 15. And this is right after the angel has come to Gideon, who's threshing uh, by the wine press. We'll talk about that a little bit. But, uh, and he says, I want you to deliver the people of Israel from the Midianites. Oh, okay. <laughs> in verse 12 it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. And, and they, they exchanged some things and go on. And verse 15 tells us, And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So now Gideon's family. Uh, Gideon is from Manasseh, little bitty tribe, the half, the half tribe of Manasseh. No prominence. 
kind of nobody. And he says he's the least in his father's house. So he's the runt. He's, he's, he's last in line. He's got nothing. He had some servants and some things we learn later, but he's definitely not who Achan was. Achan was from Judah, has, has property, animals, an estate, if you will. Gideon doesn't have that. He's kind of blue-collar, average, poor, nobody like me. <laughs> He says, I, I'm from Manasseh. My, my father's family is little in Manasseh, so we're a little family in a little tribe, and I'm the least in my father's house. You got the wrong guy. So that's Gideon. He's starting off in, in a, a, a home that's totally swamped by Midianites. Um, he has nothing. He's from a family that has nothing. And we also learned that his family is not godly either. Achan, uh, his, his family saw the miracles of God. They walked through the... the the wilderness and, and all that, and sure, Achan's father's messed up and things, but Achan still has a heritage to look back on and say, hey, God did this, God did that. Gideon's father worshipped Baal, and he, he goes and casts down his, his idol later, but Gideon didn't come from a godly family. Most of us here, I think we could say we come from a godly family, and, and again, we see this all the time at um, at the camp there, but just the, the devastation and the, the consequences of sin and the results of, of children that grow up in an ungodly family. So we should be very thankful for the families that, that we're in if you have a godly family, and you should be thankful for it anyway, because your family does, certainly doesn't limit you as to what God can do with your life and what he wants to do. But Gideon doesn't have support from home. He didn't go home and say, hey, mom and uh, dad, this angel came to me and said, I'm going to Free us from the Midianites. And mom and dad said, oh, great, that's awesome, Gideon. Um, you know, we'll pray for you. No. And if he told them anything, they were probably thought it was a joke. They worshipped Baal. They had swallowed the, the lies of the land of Canaan, and they were living just like the Midianites. So that's two strikes against Gideon. He's a nobody from nowhere with nothing, and his parents are pagan. Not following God. Two strikes. Uh, the other thing about Gideon in comparison to Achan was uh, Gideon was a farmer. And again, nothing wrong with farmers. Every day is Farmer's Day because we eat. But you don't, uh, you know, you see we have the parade out here on Memorial Day and uh, the American Legion and, and all those guys walk by and everyone, has, you see that, you respect that. The, the veterans walk by. Instant respect, instant um, admiration for who they are, what they've done. Just in the position, you don't have a bunch of farmers walking by. And... Uh, They'd walk by and you'd say, oh, that's cute, and he's got the same muck boots I do, and farmers don't walk in parades, they're just everyday guys. When you have a, when you have a problem in the country or a problem in your, in your area or, or governmental issues, you don't say, what we need is a good, solid farmer to come and fix our problems. Actually, that'd probably be a good idea, but <laughs> that's not who you look to. You don't naturally look to someone in that position as a mighty leader of men, as a... As a someone of prominence. Nothing wrong with it, but that's who Gideon was as compared to who Achan was. So that's maybe three strikes against Gideon. Number four against Gideon was he was also timid and afraid and a doubter. And when you think of someone who, uh, who has been used of God, think of uh, Adoniram Judson and, and uh, all these other different people who we are gone now, but you read about them and hear about them, and oh, they did great things for God, mighty things for God. 
you don't really hear about, oh, they doubted and they were afraid and, and this. I'm sure they were. And we'll get to that, of course. But Gideon wasn't just, Gideon wasn't George Washington and he wasn't William Wallace and these guys that you think of. He's going to free us from the Midianites. He's a, he's a bold guy, doesn't care what the Midianites think. Um, he was afraid of cat, is what he was. And we'll look at that a little bit. Uh, it says he was threshing the wheat by the wine press. Threshing wheat, as I understand, um, was a pretty like violent procedure. You're throwing it up in the air and beating it with stuff and causes a big cloud of dust. And someone of the bold leadership type that you would have looked on and say, hey, this is the guy to free us from the Midianites. This is the guy who's going who's gonna to free Israel. This is God's man he's going to use. Would be out there in the middle of the field in defiance of the Midianites and causing this huge cloud of dust as he, as he threshed his wheat. But Gideon was hiding in the wine press, which is usually like a pit, way down somewhere. So instead of flinging it up in the air and beating it around and, and causing all this great hullabaloo, he was probably sitting down there like, hope nobody comes. I hope I don't get caught. I don't want anybody to know about this. Leave me alone. Which I probably would do, but that was Gideon. He was not your natural, I'll look at him, type of guy. When the angel came to him and said, uh, Thou mighty man of valor, God's going to use you to, uh, to, free the, to free the people of Israel. He said, Oh, no, no, no. I'm not a mighty man of valor. You got the wrong guy. Not me. He said so. And the angel said, Nope, you're going to do it anyway. So Gideon says, Hey, give me a sign. Gave him the sign with uh, the whole interaction with the angel there. And God comes again and says, Go and do this. And, and Gideon says, I, I don't know. I'm going, to, I'm going to lay this fleece down and, and do the thing with the dew. And God says, okay, give you the sign. He gave him the sign. I'm not necessarily the most intelligent person, but I probably would have saw that and said, hey, this is, this is legit. I'm doing it. But Gideon says, eh, let's do it again, but the other way. And they did it the other way. And still Gideon was afraid. Would that, would that be someone you would look at and say, this is the guy, this is... This is him. I wouldn't. No. But see, God doesn't need that to do what he wants to do. He simply needs you to make the right choice. And that choice is what, is what we're getting to. So Gideon is a nobody from nowhere and nothing. He's a farmer. Nothing wrong with that, but he's not necessarily that guy. <clears throat> His parents are pagan, and he's a chicken. That's Gideon versus Achan, who's from Judah, prominent, courageous, a soldier, brave, with stuff. But he made the wrong choice. So that's the background a little bit. Let's go back now to Joshua, Joshua chapter 7. And we're going to read through this a little bit, uh, just to see what the scripture says. But this is Achan's choice. As we read through this, keep, keep in your mind who Achan was, what he had, everything he had seen, but then also, also be thinking ahead and, and keeping in mind what is it that he took and how will this affect eternity for himself, for his family, for the children of Israel, everyone around him, what, what will the effects be? So Joshua chapter 7, once I get there, Joshua chapter 7, 
Verse 1, but the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is beside Beth-Avon, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So there went up thither of the people about three thousand men, and they fled before the men of Ai. That wasn't the plan. Remember, God has said, you're going to win. No sweat. Here, 3,000 men get routed by little bitty Ai. Verse 5, And the men of Ai smote of them about 36 men, for they chased them from before the gate even unto Cherubim, and smote them in the going down, wherefore the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Remember that verse, the hearts of the people melted and became as water. Because of what? Because of the failure. And Joshua rent his clothes, verse 6, and fell to the earth upon his face before the ark of the Lord under the eventide, he and the elders of Israel, and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hadst thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us into the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we had been content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan. This is Joshua speaking. This is Joshua who God personally came to and said, you're going to conquer Canaan and you're going to lead him and be strong and be strong and courageous and strong and courageous. Joshua just said that. We should have stayed back because God failed. That's what Joshua said. I mean, that's, that's the paraphrase. But Joshua said, God, you're not keeping your promise. You failed us. We should have just, just been content and uh, gotten out of Egypt, but, but just stayed there. Because God's not big enough to do what he told us he would do. That's Joshua. And uh, the couple verses up, it says, the people of Israel, their hearts melted and they became as water. People of Israel looking to God and, and Joshua, God's man, who said, yeah, we're going to conquer Canaan. And this happens, and they say, not happening. God failed us. Verse 8, this is again Joshua speaking, O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? For the Canaanites and all the inhabitants of the land shall hear of it and shall environ us around and cut off our name from the earth. And what wilt thou do unto thy great name? And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up, wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing and have also stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Therefore, the children of Israel could not stand before their enemies, but turned their backs before their enemies, because they were accursed. Neither will I be with you any more, except you destroy the accursed from among you. Up, sanctify the people, and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until ye take away the accursed thing. From, the, from among you. Verse 14, In the morning, therefore, ye shall be brought according to your tribes, and it shall be that the tribe which the Lord taketh shall come according to the families thereof, and the family which the Lord shall take shall come by households, 
and the household which the Lord shall take shall come man by man. And it shall be that he that is taken with the accursed thing shall be burnt with fire, he and all that he hath, because he hath transgressed the covenant of the Lord and because he hath wrought folly in Israel. So Joshua rose up early in the morning and brought Israel by the tribes, and the tribe of Judah was taken. And it goes so on and so forth down, down the families and the households all the way to Achan uh, by God's leadership. But we know what Achan did. He, he saw the, the Babylonian garment and the wedge of gold and this and that, and he brought it in. He, he coveted it. He took it. And certainly we've heard about that, that often. But what else did Achan do? He took the accursed thing. He took sin into his, into his house, into his home, into his life, but he also took what was God's. And God said, Achan, or the children of Israel, the, the spoil from, from Jericho, the first fruits of the conquest of Canaan, that's mine. That's going to be, gonna be uh, dedicated to me. Don't touch it. Don't take it for yourselves. That's mine. Achan took that which was God's. But look what happened. Because of, because of his failure to obey God, to follow God, to give God what was his, all of Israel doubted God. Joshua doubted God. Now, God's a holy God. He has to keep his word, and certainly he, he gave Israel the promises. But he also said, if you trespass the, the covenant, then you're going to be judged. This will happen, and that's what, what God did, because God's a holy God. But because of Achan's failure and choice, all of Israel, whom God had promised to, Joshua, who God spoke directly to, threw up their hands and went, whoa, 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 this, we can't do it. It's done. That was one of the effects of Achan's choice. I know in our, in our world today, in our, our Christian circles especially today, many, many times, and, we, and again, we see this all the time, especially at camp, because that's just who comes through, but we can even see it in our, in our church here, I'm sure, in other churches, but the young people especially, that are looking up to the ones who have already been there and done that, they say, hey, God didn't come through for them, and God didn't work here, and this didn't work out here. Not, not, not because God can't do it, because God fails, God never fails, but because of the choices that we made, God couldn't give the blessing where he wanted to, God couldn't deliver where he might have wanted to, but because of the choice we made, those things didn't happen. And the people looking to us and those all around us and the unsaved world around us look at that and say, God's a failure, and God didn't do it. So why should I have anything to do with it? Why should I be faithful to God, who you claim he'll, he'll do these things for you and, and he works for you and he's going to deliver you, and, but because of your choices that you made maybe way down the line, maybe you're making right now, because you've taken what's God's, Remember, God's a holy God. He asked the judge. He said, I'm not going to give you those things. I'm not going to deliver you in that way. I'm not going to bless you that way. And people around us look at that, just like the children of Israel did, and they say, God's not faithful. God doesn't work. That's what Achan did to the children of Israel. Because of Achan's sin, they, they went out, and certainly there were their issues with not inquiring of God before they went to Ai. And but again, it was because of Achan's sin. They went out to Ai, and 36 men died. So that was 36 households that they didn't come back to that were lost because Achan took what was God's. And how many people do we lose every day, either directly or indirectly, 
that could have been could have been God's, could have been saved, could have been born again, because we've taken what's God's and we've held on to it for ourselves. And that happens every day because of choices we make, just like Achan did. We take what's God's. We hold sin in life and we take what's God's. <clears throat> so continue reading then. Uh, let's go to verse 19. Uh, the, the lots have come down unto Achan. And Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. Verse 20, And Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment and 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold of 50 shekels weight, then I coveted them and took them, and behold, they are hidden in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. So Joshua sent messengers, and they ran into the tent. And behold, it was hidden in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his asses and his sheep and his tent and all that he had and brought them unto the valley of Achor. And Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they'd stoned them with stones. And they raised upon him a great heap of stones unto this day. So the Lord turned again. I'm sorry. So the Lord turned from the fierceness of his anger. Wherefore the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. That's the result of, of Achan's choice personally. And what, are the, what will be the results for you personally for the choices you make and for the things that you withhold, that you steal from God. What are God's in your life? Let me back up. <laughs> what do you have in your life that's God's that you're holding back from him? You see what happened to, to Achan's family. It wasn't just the children of Israel and, and turning the whole nation into courageous and hey, look what God just did to just like that a day or two or three or four later to God's failed us, so let's go home. Achan lost everything. It wasn't just Achan that, it, that his sin didn't just affect him. You're not an island unto yourself. It affected him, his family. Everything he had got stoned and burned. And that was the result of taking in sin, but then taking, taking what was God. That's Achan. And uh, there's lots of folks today, good families, good churches, Things are going well. You, we look at you from the outside and say, you know, God's blessing you great. But there's choices we have to make every day. There's choices that you have made, that we have made, that can have the same result as Aiken's choice. The same thing can happen to me and to you. So now we're going to look at Gideon, Gideon's choice, how it affected eternity. And uh, remember, Gideon was a nobody from nowhere with nothing. Didn't have much going for him. But Gideon chose to follow God, even though all the odds were against him, even though he was afraid, even though he didn't understand. He still followed God. And oftentimes we can, we can come up against challenges and against obstacles in, in our lives and, and say, eh, not, not getting over this one. Or, or something that's out there and say, well, let so-and-so take care of it. Let someone else take care of it. 
But God came to Gideon specifically and said, I've chosen you to deliver the Midianites. I've chosen you to, to be the mighty man of valor, to lead the, the children of Israel against the Midianites and to give me glory thereby. And what would have happened if Gideon had said no? Even, even, even if he was afraid and he had every logical reason to say, I'm not the guy. <laughs> I'm a farmer. I'm not going to grab my pitchfork and go charging down against the Midianites. I just, but God said, no, Gideon, it's your, it's your task. Gideon could have made the choice, just like Achan did, to say, no, God, what's yours? I'm not going to give you. In this case, it was Gideon's life. And he said, Gideon, I want you to use your life that I've given you to do this. Gideon could have said, uh-uh, uh-uh, no, not me, I'm not the guy, and, and turned away from it, walked away from it. But he didn't, and he made the choice, he made the choice to follow God. Judges chapter 7, let's turn there quickly, Judges chapter 7. <clears throat> and any time along the way, there's, there's, there's test after test after test that Gideon throws out, he could have bowed out. But he didn't. And there's often times in, in our lives we're presented with and, and everyday, day-to-day things, not even necessarily big things and traumatic major things, but small little things that you face every day that you can decide any time just to, just to bow out. Anyway, Judges chapter 7, verse 1. And this is after uh, some of the trials and the tests, and, and God tells Gideon to, to go throw down his father's altar. Whoa. <laughs> and Gideon says he was afraid of his father and, and, his, and, his, and uh, the tribe and went by night with some of his servants and threw it down, and, and there's a whole episode there, but he still did what God wanted him to do. Yeah, he was afraid, but he still did what God wanted him to do. Come to chapter 7 then. And we'll read the account here. Chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerobobal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with thee are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. And uh, those of you who know the story will we'll get to it, but... God loves to use things and people that we would say can't be used and won't be used and can't make it. Because when the likely person does something, we say, oh yeah, no sweat for you, that's, that's what you do, that's your job, no problem. But when something like this happens, who gets the glory for it? God does. And this is what, what God was coming to. And again, as, as we read through this, be thinking, what if Gideon had said no? Anytime through this this passage, this, this account that we're reading, what if Gideon had said no and walked away? So let's keep reading, uh, starting in verse 3 again. Now therefore go to, proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him to return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned to the people twenty and two thousand, and there remained ten thousand. So Gideon has his army assembled, and uh, he says, there's too many people, the ones that are afraid, that want to go home, and I'm sure Gideon perked up, oh, okay, let them go. 
and he just lost over half of his army, who, by the way, is now going to go face Midianites like grasshoppers, tons of them, filled the valley. So now he's left with, with his 10,000. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down under the water, and I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, This shall go with thee, the same shall go with thee. And of whomsoever I say unto thee, This shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. And so he brought down the people under the water, and the Lord said unto Gideon, Every one that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth, him shalt thou set by thyself. Likewise, every one that boweth down upon his knees to drink, and the number of them that laugheth, putting their hand to their mouth, were three hundred men. And all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, By the three hundred men that laughed will I save you, and deliver the Midianites into thy hand, and let all the other people go, every man, unto his place. If I was Gideon, I'd be a little nervous about now. <clears throat> Remember, Gideon already is afraid. He has no confidence in himself, but he's still following through. He's still obeying God, and God just dropped his army <laughs> down to 300 men. Nobody. <laughs> with nothing, with no men, from nowhere. And Gideon very well could have pulled out here now and said, uh-uh. Uh, verse 8, so the people took victuals in their hand and their trumpets, and he sent all the rest of Israel, every man unto his tent, and remained those 300 men. And the host of Midian was beneath him in the valley. And it came to pass the same night that the Lord said unto him, Arise, get thee down unto the host, for I have delivered it into thine hand. But if thou fear to go down, go thou with Pura thy servant down to the host. And what does Gideon do? He was afraid, and he went down with his servant to the host. So once again, he's still someone we wouldn't look on as likely and, and capable even, but he still goes down and does it. And the rest of the account is that he hears the Midianites talking, and, and the Lord has made them afraid already, and then they go in the night, and there's the, the episode with the pitchers and the trumpets, and Midian turns on themselves, and the Lord delivers Israel because Gideon decided to obey. And then when we contrast the difference between Gideon, who Gideon was, what he had, his courage, his personal character even, contrasted with Achan, who he was, what he had, his character, the choices they made were very different. You would, you would expect someone like Achan to, to be the one in Gideon's place, to say, oh yeah, we'll, we'll do this, I'm a soldier, I'm, I've got stuff, I'm brave, I'll lead the men, no problem and go and do it, and Gideon, the, the fearful one, with nothing, to be the one that comes by and covets what he should not have and take it, but it was opposite. And the Bible tells us that God's ways are not our ways, but the two choices were eternal. Gideon was used to free the Israelites. Achan made the choice that almost swamped the children of Israel almost turned them around and sent them back. So let me ask you this then. What is it that keeps you from obeying God? See, Gideon had every reason, every, every right even, logically, 
to turn around and say, uh-uh, no way, goodbye. I have nothing. I'm as poor as Job's turkey. I'm nobody. I don't want to be here. God, you've got the wrong guy. But see, Gideon was the man God wanted to use for that time, for that event. Achan could have said, conversely, God's led us here. I'm one of God's, God's chosen people. I've seen what God's done. I know who God is firsthand. Here's this, here's this opportunity to take what's God's, to withhold from God what's his. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to, I'll pass. I'll be faithful to God. What would the outcome have been? Well, 36 men wouldn't have died. Israel would not have doubted God. Joshua would have stayed firm. But because of the choice Achan made, that happened. See, oftentimes we use fear and statistics and our background and, and, and who we are as a reason when, when God presents us with something to do, something he wants for us to do, to be, to say. We instantly come up with all these excuses and, and the logical solution to our problem of we don't want to do it. Gideon could have done that, but he didn't. Achan could have chosen not to sin, but he did. When we refuse to do what God wants us to do, what's the result? And, I, and everyone has different, different uh, life situations right now, and there's big things and little things, and but when you look at your life and your, your everyday existence, maybe things you know are coming up, maybe things that are, that are still hanging on from the past, and maybe something that you're dealing with right now, what keeps you from obeying? What keeps you from following God? I'm sure you have excuses. Gideon had excuses. But if you, if you refuse, if you refuse to follow God, if you refuse to do what he would have for you to do to be the piece in the puzzle that he needs... What's the result? And what will that mean for the eternities of other people? See, Gideon was used in that, that, that puzzle piece that God had for him. Israel was freed. What would have been the difference for eternity if Gideon had turned around and said no? What would have happened? What would have been the difference in eternity if Achan had said huh, no? and not taking what was God's. So what keeps you from doing what God would want you to do? And secondly, what, like Achan, what are you taking from God? We can think of lots of things that are God's, and, and certainly all, all that we have is given of God, and, but how about your life? How about things in your life? As a, as a born-again child of God, if you've been saved, if you've ex accepted God's free gift of salvation, and and come to him for salvation from your sins. The Bible says your life's not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. I might not have quoted that right, but what you have is God's. Are you taking things from God? Are you holding things back from God? It could be a little minute area over here, and maybe, maybe Achan thought, hey, all this, this wealth of Jericho, all this, I mean, there's wealth everywhere, there's stuff everywhere. He took a wedge of gold and some shekels and talents of silver and in the scope of all Jericho, not that much. Of all the wealth and riches of Jericho, Achan took a little bit. 
but it was still God's. So is there a little bit in your life that's, that's, that's God's that you're holding from him? Is there a, a big chunk in your life that's God's that you're holding from him? As I said, we, this is something that, that comes up every day. It's an everyday thing at the camp there, but the young people especially that come through <clears throat> and are willing to say, I'll give God what's his, are the ones that come back next year and have stories to tell of what God's done in their life, of people that have been saved, of answers to prayer, of God blessing. The ones that hold on, that say, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with this and I'll deal with that, but this area right here, I'm going to hold on to that. I know it's God's, but I'm going to hold on to it. Those are the ones that come back and maybe they're, maybe they're doing okay, but they haven't seen the blessings from God. They can't tell you of, of people who've been saved of answers to prayer <clears throat> because they've, hold, they've held on to what's God's. They don't give God what's his. Two choices, two simple choices. Simple, <laughs> not so easy to make sometimes. Talking to them is simple. But when it comes to the eternity of those around you, which choice should you make? It's easy to think of ourselves as, as it's just me. I'm, I'm like this island in this big sea of people, and nobody ever lands on the island, and I'm fine. But just like Achan, his decision caused the whole of Israel to throw up their hands and say, God hasn't been faithful, to doubt God. It caused Joshua to doubt God. Are you making decisions like that right now <clears throat> in your life? It's easy to do. Or does your life, like Gideon, even though it might be unlikely, choose to say, no matter what, I'm going to follow God. I'm going to do what God would have me to do. And as a result, God works and God's faithful and God's glorified just because we're willing to let him pick up the puzzle piece and stick it in the stick it in the puzzle where he needs it. Because of Achan, the 36 men died. Because of Gideon, they conquered a, a whole host that was un, unnumerable. And because of, because of Achan, everybody said, God's, God's not faithful. Because of Gideon, they said, hey, God's delivered us. So in your life, it, it could be any, num any number of areas, any little thing, any big thing. What's the choice you have to make? What would God have you to do that maybe you're not doing because of whatever reason? And what are you holding from God? Is there something in your life that you know is God's and it could be your, it could be your very life or a little piece of your life or a piece of your family or a piece of this? but you know it's God's. Are you holding that from God? Are you stealing that from God? You saw the outcome of, that Achan had. And is there something in your life just like the accursed thing? And that's what we usually hear about from Achan. Sin in your life. Just went, went along with uh, Achan stealing from God. Are those things in your life? And if so, just, just be minded, just as, just as we've seen here, that those things do impact eternity 
and they do count, and they do matter. Uh, and we'll close with this thought, but I can't remember the exact statistics, but is it 8 billion or so many or so people that are on the earth today, thereabouts? 8 billion people, that's a lot of people. <laughs> but ever since the Lord Jesus gave the Great Commission to go and reach the world, and again, using, using statistics, I'm not trying to say that God's limited by math. <laughs> God created math, he's not limited by anything. But even just statistically, just with numbers, every generation, from the time since the Great Commission till now, even though there's 8 billion people on Earth, it is still totally possible, easily possible, for every single person on the Earth to have heard the Gospel in one generation. Every generation since then till now, it's been possible for everybody on earth, not necessarily to be saved, not everyone will accept, we know that, but to hear the gospel, to be given the opportunity to accept the gospel, be saved. But it hasn't happened. And it hasn't happened because of choices like this. Because of people saying, this is God's, but I'm going to hold on to it. And not being willing to do what God would have them to do. Unlike Gideon, who even though he had every reason not to, still did. It hasn't happened. It could still happen. Absolutely. And the power of God's there. The Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The power's there. The opportunity's there. But it hasn't happened because of decisions like Achan made to hold on to what's God's. So where are you at this point where, if you could say, is, is there things I'm holding on to? And what will be the effect on yourself, on your family, on the eternity of other people based on these decisions? Will you make the decisions of Achan? Or will you make the decision of Gideon to say, yep, I'll do it? Let's pray. Lord, we do. Uh, thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you that, uh, Lord, you do give uh, opportunity for all of us to be saved and, and to accept your free gift of salvation. Lord, we pray that, uh, Lord, you would help us to be as Gideon, and to, even though we have doubts and, and fears and, and uh, maybe every human excuse possible to not follow you and to not obey you as we should, Lord, that we would, we would choose to still make the right decision and to do what you've had, you've uh, given us to do. Lord, help us not to be as Achan, who uh, maybe it was a small thing, maybe it was a big thing, but decided to, to take what was yours. Lord, help us to, to see that Lord, we're, bought, we're bought with a price that our very life is from you, and to give it to you as you would have us to do. And uh, Lord, I pray that if there's one here, or two, or three, that don't know you as Savior, that, that don't know that, that if, if they died just, just now, that they would have a home in heaven with you, that they would be saved from their sin and the judgment from it, but uh, Lord, that they would seek you and, and you'd be faithful to, to find them as you say you, you do. And Lord, again, we thank you for your word and uh, we thank you for all your promise for us in Jesus' name. Amen.